Welcome, citizen, to the Watchtower. My name is Gary. And my name is Ben, and we'll be your guides as you peruse the archives of the world's greatest superhero group, the Justice League. And we hope that you'll join us on today's adventure. Welcome to episode 35, Hearts and Minds, part one. A bunch of Green Lanterns run from some alien menace named Despero, and Kilowog barely escapes to warn the Justice League, but at the cost of John's former teacher and lover, Katma, being captured. John Stewart goes off half-cocked while Flash and Kilowog try to locate his lantern to power back up. Eventually, Green Lantern makes his way to Despero's planet, but is overpowered by his forces. Katma saves him and introduces him to the Resistance, but Despero begins the next phase of his plan, empowering his thralls to spread his word across the cosmos. Yes, indeed. Green, Green Lantern episode, Gary. We. It is. There's a, a lot of baggage for those, generally. <laughs> will this one be the same? We will find out. Guess we'll find out. He, he's unwilling to tell me, folks, <laughs> how he feels about it. So I don't know how to react to it yet. <laughs> react as you ne- normally would, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know how I feel eventually. Uh, okay, well, fair I, enough. I'll put it this way. My first note was space shenanigans, uh-oh, lantern core, <laughs> double uh-oh. Space. I mean, if they're going to be lantern stuff going on, it probably should be in space. Yeah. And to be fair, I don't hate this initial Green Lantern action sequence. It's not bad. It's got some decent tense music. There's some obvious Star Wars references. Right. Uh, and these dumbass looking Finn men. Uh, <laughs> what, 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 what's your read on these guys? This is Despero's race. Uh, they're these purple... Finn boys. Yeah, so uh, a little a little bit of a uh, hot backstory, I guess. Um, I've been aware of Despero since probably the mid-90s. Because oh, you know of a Despero. I do. He was one okay. of the villains in a Sega Genesis game that I played a lot uh, back in 95 called Justice League Task Force. And uh, okay. in the game, he was like this pinkish-reddish color, which I think is probably more traditional than this purple look. Uh, which I did not care for. You, you didn't care for that look or this look? This look. Okay, well, let me drop some hot Despero facts on you. He used to look even worse. Ooh, okay. He used to look like this big, just a uh, grabo monster kind of thing, like hmm. this uh, Mr. Hyde that happened to be purple and finned. Uh, and the fin looked way dumber. It wasn't like down the back. It was like... A cr- they, it, it basically looked like the LucasArts logo. <laughs> okay. Like it just went all the way from ear to ear. It was so bad. Mm. He looked like a Dilophilosaurus or something. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Yeah, and uh, he's my character highlight for the episode, so maybe let's just get right into it. Let's do it. He looks terrible. Uh, first note. Second <laughs> note, he's a fictional supervillain that appeared in DC Comics first appeared in Justice League of America number one in October 1960. It was created by Gardner Fox and Mike Sikowski. He apparently has this ever-burning hatred of the League that lets him regenerate for some reason. Like, he's just mad enough to not die. <laughs> like, it's real Sin City bullshit. Right. Um, but he he's this hatred theme seems to keep coming back. You know, like this is that my hatred is what propels me. That seems to be his core motivation, mm. which makes sense that he's in a lantern 
core story because they all feed on different kind of emotions, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, d- did you have any uh, memory of him being like a rageonomic monster or what? No, I just I just had him uh, memories of him as a boss fight in a video game. Uh, and, okay. and I think my cousin had like an action figure of his from the early 90s. So I'm guessing that this reddish pink tone that I love so much is uh, maybe 90s specific. I don't know. It seems like a maybe. late 80s rebranding kind of thing. It, that could be, yeah. Um yeah, so uh, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't look super deep into his backstory because there's like a lot. Right. He fights the Justice League a good amount of times. I don't know why he initially did it, but I can tell you how it ended. Okay. The battle ended when the Martian Manhunter, controversially employing a never before seen Day Ex Machina power, tricks Despero into thinking that he'd successfully killed the Justice League and all life on Earth thus neutralizing his reason for hatred and regressing him to a fetus question mark whoa benjamin buttons yeah yeah they they gave him some benjamin buttons <laughs> and then like he got reaged somehow later on and attacked again and the way they defeated him the second time was to switch him into a robot body and then he gets shot by a duck hunter by accident the fuck dc (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) wow wow yeah i thought elements of this episode we watched were trippy but it sounds like the comics are even trippier with no they toned him down they (laughs) they grounded him for this yeah wow like we're gonna get into it his his main power source in this arc is this uh supernatural not quite green lantern but it's basically a green lantern uh flame of pytar in the comics that's just side stuff. Like okay. he's got all this like telekinesis and and telepathy and flight and force field just just because hmm. just because villain. Right. And also um his main form of attack which seems to be mind control, mind subjugation, mm-hmm. which leads to this whole despotic regime sort of storyline. That's a lot to take in. I I'm I'm going to need about 5 minutes just to process this character. I mean, it's He's a weird one. I I'll be honest, I actually don't hate what he brings to the table. No, in this episode, no. Did did you care for him in this episode? Like I like the mind thrall. Yes, thing. I, I I liked the what he brought to this story. I just didn't necessarily like the way he looked in this story. Yeah, I I'll agree to that. It's it's sort of like a Mongol thing mm-hmm. where like mongols war world that that whole thing was mongol was subjugating people through force and coercing superman by force right um and this is this is i think a less cool way to subjugate a people right but his ambitions are also grander like he has this religious fervor Mm -hmm. kind of uh and, and this 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 uh this narcissism like he wants to be everything to these people and i think that like that stems from something they get to in this episode where he was like persecuted for his third eye yeah he was uh his uh deformity i believe he referred to it something like that yeah his whatever mutation uh caused him to be you know um caused him to be shunned by society yeah kind of creates this uh notion this 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 egomania mm-hmm. of like oh no I'm actually better than them. Right. And that sort of feeds into this rage thing that sort of propels him. So uh, he's a consistent character 
for the most part. Yeah. So, I mean, like this is, we, we do get his origin story. I don't remember if it's in this first or second part. They kind of ran together for me. I think it's in the first part. I think he, so too. Where he, uh, we get his origin story and this is how you do an origin story. You condense it for a character that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. This is, this is better than a Rex Mason where we dedicate 18 minutes to learning who this guy is before he even becomes the villain. Like we get it pretty quickly with this. And so I, I think the writing is pretty spot on for the most part in this arc. Yeah, I like it too. And it, it makes sense why he's doing the backstory spiel. Cause it's later in the episode when he is explaining his backstory to Jon Stewart, mm-hmm. but he's doing it in a public forum. Right. Like this is part of his myth. Like this is part of his mythology mm-hmm. is he's, he's creating himself as a religious leader, as a prophet. Right. And the story is important for that. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's justified in, in, in the, in the panel why he's bringing up the backstory. It's not just for the audience. Right. It's, I mean, it's for a audience, but it's not for us. It's for his, you know, his adoring fans or mm-hmm. what have you. It's not the forced heavy handed villain reveals story to one person alone, you know? Yeah. It's not like a James Bond villain. Right. Kind of thing. Exactly. Which we so often that, that do in this been show. Dumb. I like how he's doing it in, in view of everyone. He's doing it like this is opening night, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, let's just to get a little bit of the plot out of the way so we can get kind of get to the meat of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the Star Wars fight, space, Green Lanterns get attacked, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's before the credits, before intro, right? right. Before uh, the title sequence. Um, and it's it has this new Green Lantern that we haven't seen before, Katma Tui. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks like Sinestro's race, and I looked into this. It's because she is. Okay. She, uh, was formerly a, uh, you know, a member of Sinestro's planet, but now is a Green Lantern. And I think that they're doing this intro sequence to set up a foil for Jon Stewart, because the whole military, military chain of command thing is important to both of them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, basically what happens is she gets captured and Kilowog goes and runs and tells the Justice League. Right on. Uh, so, does she have a does she, does she have a history with with John Stewart in the comics? Do you know? Yeah, she 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 does, and you can hear more about that next episode. Hmm, what could that mean? Okay, what could that mean? Uh, What's our format? <laughs> what show is this? Yeah, so we get uh we get what is normally like all B team uh, as the A team in this, which I think is really nice. Batman got. and Superman are and Wonder Woman. There's those are like the main three. Yep, and none of them and are present. Just, it's kind of it's good. It's a good. Um, I think that that I think that it's a good mix. Mm-hmm. I like I like that there aren't any like super heavy hitters. Right, right. So there's there's this brief little levity on the Watchtower with John Stewart and Hawkgirl kind of spatting like an old married couple and <laughs> Flash teasing him. Right. I could do with a lot more of these moments of levity. Like I and we get some pretty good comedy from the Flash in this arc, honestly. Right. We do. Uh it's not it's not as uh forced as it usually feels like it is. And I, I mean I remember thirty two episodes ago you mentioned something about uh you would just love to see them getting, you know, coffee on the watchtower, you know, like these little moments are nice. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it may be because Flash can't be in the spotlight. You mm-hmm. know, when he's in the background and doing gags, we're okay. Right. So he's he's 
not in focus. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's maybe a necessary part of his character in this story. I feel like that's a necessary part of his character in general. He's at his best whenever he's not the, the star of the show. I mean, I think so, but I'm sure that there's diehard Flash fans well, sure. who sees him as a compelling character in his own right. But then why does his, why do his villains suck then, mm. uh, rest of the world? <laughs> Honestly, if, if you are a big is. Flash fan and you're listening to this, please write us an email. Let us know what you love about him because uh, based on this series, we're struggling. <laughs> Yeah, we don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why every comic isn't about John Jones. <laughs> I could deal with that. Yeah. So um, there's a dumb little detail when Kilowog gets to Earth. It, like, his ship is basically crash landing because he's injured from the from the fight. Yes. Um, and it shows the ship crashing in the background with the foreground being a napping old guy in a at a gas station in the middle of nowhere. Did you notice that? I did not. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was. It's weird. Like, uh, I don't know what the purpose of it is. Maybe like to give a sense of scale, or maybe it just adds personality to the scene. Or wow, I I don't know what it is about that shot. But I'm just like, oh, that's a better shot than just watching this crash land from you know the satellite. Yeah, like an orbiting satellite. Man, I'm full of regret that I missed that. That that sounds uh like a. It could be my favorite moment. it's got such personality i don't know what it is (laughs) right but uh they they rescue kilowog kilowog tells john stewart hey your old flame is is in trouble and he just fucks right off Mm -hmm. so uh that that is something i want to point out right now because it's kind of a theme a running theme for this arc is that um john's loyalties are split yeah right he's got his uh he's got his affiliation with the justice league but he also has this affiliation with the Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. And what we see at the outset of this episode is that the Lantern Corps affiliation pulls him stronger. Just wanted to point that out before we keep going. That is true. And and it's it's such a great character beat because we kind of saw this with uh, with uh, Martian Manhunter and A Night of Shadows, a similar sort of, you know, the thing you love is in trouble, but the new thing that you love needs your help. So, you know, yeah. which direction do you go? Right, and and that's a little bit different, I guess, because it's not a duty versus personal personal loss. That's true. It's it's duty versus duty mm-hmm. in this one. It's like either way, you're going to help people. So it's it's not really a matter of conviction or priorities. It's just like, quite frankly, <laughs> what are his tastes? Like, who does he like better? <laughs> right. uh, but there's there's also a little bit more to it that we get into in the next episode. So. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's it is not a like just a repeat. Like they don't just pull this mechanism out whenever they need to do a character highlight, you know. No, but I, I think it's a I think it's a thing that works really well for us to understand the character and where their priorities are. However they choose to handle it, albeit slightly different between both scenarios. I think it's a good peek behind the curtain. Yeah, and, and to be fair, they need those affiliations. Mm-hmm. They need those personal connections to a place that is not the justice league yeah you know they're like wonder woman without her attachment as a themiscaran battle princess not really a character true yeah it, it you know it, it it doesn't you can't have a group of it, it would just be gi joe's at that point <laughs> right <laughs> so they're just all at gi joe headquarters all day every day right right except for snow job i guess well S- skiing one of the 
best named characters of all time. <laughs> Speaking of great things, Kilowog in his underwear. That's a thing we see this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we get a So Jean tries to operate on Kilowog. This is another moment of like kind of subtle levity. Because uh-huh. like this is a very levity heavy arc for whatever reason. Yeah. Where like he's like, yeah, I'm similar enough to Kilowog species, um, and Flash says something like, "Are you sure about that?" And he's like, "You don't want me to answer that." Or, <laughs> or he says something like, "Real close enough, real snarky, something, yeah, snarky for uh, John Jones." Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we we see him committing medicine to this pig monster thing, so that's good, <laughs> right? So uh, we we get a look at Despero's planet when Green Lantern goes to find Katma. Mm-hmm. And um, I like the look of it. Mm-hmm. This is similar to War World. It's got a very oppressive feel to it. Lots of tight corridors. So, sort of felt like Agrabah. Yes. Or, or like a very Dark Ages sort of oppressiveness feel. Like I was expecting to see Iron Maidens in every corner. <laughs> right. Yeah, and War World was the last episode where we referenced Aladdin, so it kind of works out. Oh, but yeah, I, I think that this is a really cool atmosphere, mm-hmm. and the whole thing with Despero is that he is this despot. Yep. So having the atmosphere, like the whole thing with um, this planet, which I can't remember its name, but the whole thing about it is that it used to be a paradise, but now is a blasted hellscape desert right place with these armed guard stormtrooper type dudes around every corner enforcing Despero's will. Mm-hmm. So to get a ground look at that stuff through John Stewart's perspective is super useful. Yeah. Um he there's like this little animation detail where he captures two uh, where he captures two guards and then punches them out with lantern energy while they're also constrained by ant- lantern energy. Mm-hmm. It's just like this little amorphous poof, from the bubble that's holding them, which which I kind of liked. I'll have more to say on that later. Oh, <laughs> will you now? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he he gets taken in by the guards eventually when he tries to go find Katma. Right. And then, cut scene, cut uh, smash cut two. Kilowog and Flash barge into John Stewart's apartment. Man, what a nice joint. Apparently. Since the last time we checked, John Stewart moved across the street. <laughs> he's now above the barber shop, not across the street from it. It's no longer ground level. He's moving up in the world. Oh yeah, yeah. Gary, you better believe I wrote down. I freeze framed this shot, this <laughs> wide shot of John Stewart's living quarters, just so we could dissect it for a moment. Awesome. First of all, the place is huge. It is. Like this looks like a former gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got weights and a punching. It's got four corners. Let me take you through a visual. I'm, I'm going to take you through a virtual tour of John Stewart's apartment. Please do. Open up the door. Nice mahogany finish on the fireplace. No. Um, <laughs> on the left is a corner for his like bedroom, wardrobe, that kind of stuff. On the right, we have a kitchen. Nice linoleum tile separates it from the rest of the card, uh, the the um, the wooden floor. Um, it's meticulously spotless. Far corner on the right side, we've got his gym, punching bag, gymnastics rings, all that stuff. And then on the left side, we've got a a humble sofa, you know, reading materials on the end table, TV, just kind of your bachelor pad area. 
high ceilings, everything's spotless. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look run down at all. Uh, he's got some little little bits of abstract artwork on the walls. Damn. Yeah, it's a nice place. It, it really like military man again. You know, it all comes back to military man. Right. You know, he he has to keep his place nice and spotless. He works out at the crack of like 5 a.m. every day because he's got used to used to boot camp hours. Now he can't go back to the lazy Sundays. He has to start working out right at 5 Mm a.m. I don't know, man. Like just seeing their personal lives does so much for me. And we get a lot of that this episode. We, we, uh, We find out that he has a secret craving. Not for alien women. But for <laughs> not in this episode. Bob and Terry's ice cream. <laughs> Bob and Terry's is an amazing reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and apparently he 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 had just finished watching Old Yeller. That, that that's a nice little. <laughs> that is so, so funny. Because <laughs> like you can imagine Old Yeller being like the childhood fixation that actually got him to shed a tear for the first time in his life. Oh yeah. And that he just like never graduated beyond that level of emotional <laughs> empathy. <laughs> that is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he watches old Disney movies to feel something. And Kilowog and Flash are just having antics <laughs> it's in this good. place. They're just walking around and just criticizing the place, just kind of making fun of it and having Kilowog eat some stuff and yep. proclaiming that everything that passes that disgusting gigantic jack-o'-lantern maw is in fact delicious. <laughs> I think that it's just Flash needed someone to play with yeah. and Kilowog is that guy. Mm-hmm. He's great. And uh, the, the chemistry between the two of them is, is palpable. It's, it's probably the best chemistry Flash has with anyone besides GL. Absolutely. And we get a little bit of that later on. Mm-hmm. One thing I wonder about this scene is... Uh, does it pull focus too much from the action? Because it doesn't add anything. I mean, it it does add something, but just for nuts like you and me who want to see where GL sleeps. Like, it, it doesn't add things to the plot of Despero, the plot that's on the table. Um, yeah, That's a really good question, and... I mean, yes, it probably does. I mean, it does screech things to a halt, but like it's a halt that I wanted. It's a halt that we've been asking for for. It's ever. true. So like, it I was mean, just for us. Yeah, I, I felt satisfaction, but um, and I felt it very useful because we're, we're, we're doing this week to week where we're learning about these characters and all these little details are nice to have on a weekly basis uh, to, yeah. to really know what makes the man. But at the same time, yeah, this this is an action show made for, uh, you know, the ten and under crowd predominantly. So it's like I don't know why they did this. I mean that that old yeller joke is for me though. <laughs> That's true. It's not for ten year olds. No, it's not. <laughs> it's for me. Shut up, ten year old. You don't you don't get this moment. This is mine. There, <laughs> there is an incredibly unflattering depiction of an older Asian woman, complete with Asian music going on in the background, which is like yeah. It's got real. This, uh, this that's that's a little dated. We got real breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, Martian Manhunter would appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know when when she came on, I was like, is she from Jackie Chan Adventures? Cause I'm fairly <laughs> certain. I, it could have been handled a lot better. Yeah. But I do like that there is ethnic diversity in Detroit in the depiction of GL's kind of home life, like. 
Asian landlady makes perfect sense for where he is, mm-hmm. and that's that's a cool detail. Right. I just wish it kind of articulated on the street uh, on the screen a little bit less offensively. Yeah, I wish it wasn't most likely a white woman doing that voice. It it, it read to me like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a different time back then, I suppose. It was. So we cut back over to the A plot. Mm-hmm. John Stewart is getting handed to Despero, and we kind of have this whole clash of ideals sort of thing. Despero is chastising him for being a Green Lantern, saying, you're not tough enough to beat me, you scurvy dog, or whatever the hell he says. Right. And uh, he uses his MacGuffin, this, the Flame of Pytar. Yes. Cool name. It is. And it like gives him vaguely Green Lantern powers that were not sure of yet mm-hmm. it seems to involve mind control because everyone is is clearly brainwashed and that's what he's trying to do to john stewart but he just overpowers him here you know ray blast to ray blast you've seen it a thousand times before and he comes out on top mm-hmm. john stewart is thrown into the flame of pytar yep only to um, be uh which i thought we, i thought we were going to the to be continued moment right there that would have been the moment for it yeah. right i was like this is this the is music a- went along with it and everything right but it's just that that commercial break, I'm like, wait a minute. And when it came back, I thought, oh, no, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, there's more. <laughs> there's a couple of points in the discussion with Despero, which is I wanted to point out. Yeah. First of all, his um, it, it, this quote here, feel the power of my rage, feel the power of my hate. Mm-hmm. Just to give the context for that, he is powered by hatred kind of thing. Um, it always happens. Comics, here... Green Lanterns habitually battle emotional themed villains, so I like I like that. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been nice to know that somehow in the backstory that his his fuel is is rage because you know I didn't know that until you mentioned it. In hindsight, that makes so much more sense. And you can fit the facts to the theory, right? Oh, like yeah. he was dismissed as a mutant or whatever, so you can be like, yeah, he probably got picked on as a kid, right? Okay, right. But they don't do enough to give us that pathos. Like, it could have been an... Ex- I, I would have taken a couple of examples of him being discriminated against before finding the flame of Pytar. I feel like that would have given him a little bit more pathos. Yeah. Which I, I think he's supposed to be a semi-sympathetic villain, given the backstory of being discriminated against and the, the angry bits yeah i i see where you're going but i don't think they did a very good job with that personally yeah and maybe that's just me wanting things that they weren't really doing yeah maybe you know i'm i'm typically like a bleeding heart type for you know sob stories or whatever and i don't know what they did wrong but i felt nothing for him like normally i'm i'm for the outcast or i'm for the person being ridiculed or abused or mistreated in some way and like I got, I I just got evil bad guy vibes from him. I didn't yep. feel sorry for him at any point. And I, I don't know. I I just I felt like that whole interaction between him and John Stewart was a little weak. It's yeah. It was it it lacked it lacked personal vendetta. I think. Mm, yeah. Like there wasn't real beef built up between them. Right. In any way, like. I don't know. They don't know each other from before, do they? They say a little... He says a little something like the fabled Green Lantern, I'm not impressed, or or I don't remember what he says, but he doesn't know Jon Stewart. He's aware of Green Lanterns in general. He's read the pamphlet. 
he <laughs> they send this out to every d- villain when there's a new Green Lantern. We're just like, oh, geez, guess we can't let this guy into our convenience stores. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I agree that it lacks some emotional punch. Mm-hmm. And like, so coming into this conflict, we could either have a personal vendetta or we could have an ideolo- ideological vendetta. And I think that they're tending toward the ideological one, but we just don't know enough about Despero to care. Right. At one point, uh, when Despero is kind of putting himself up as like, I am the, I am everything. I am the beginning. I am the end. I am all that. And John Stewart says the line, your story sounds a little derivative. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what he was referring to. Was, is it just a Hitler thing? Cause they do the Sig Heil later. They do. I guess that's where he was going or he was just like, you know, cliche villain, you know, like I don't, I don't really know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It could, it could have been, but like, it does kind of have a power of propaganda leader whom is seen as somewhat deific sort of occultism mm-hmm. that the Nazis had. So like I would buy it. I mean, or, and this is, this is just throwing wide nets here, yeah, but like, that's what we're here for, man. Maybe, maybe they pulled that quote directly out of a comic book and it was an inside baseball sort of reference that John yeah. Stewart made, you know, like, I, I don't know. Um, that would be, that'd be cute. That would be a good way to kind of clue fans in. Yeah. Cause like if, if you're a 10 year old watching this, you don't really, you're not paying attention to what they're saying really. Right. But that one guy in Albuquerque went, yes. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I'm seeing where they're going with this, and I think they just didn't really nail it. I agree, 100%. And and this is a problem that we so often see with this show, because they're trying to condense so much into 22-minute runtime. And uh, But I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that Kilowog scene for anything. No, though. me neither. Yeah, I, it, it, it could be. And this is not as bad as the Rex Mason no. shit. No, no, no. <laughs> not, not even fucking close. But it is, so this is okay, I guess is what I'm saying. It is not really delivering on the emotional catharsis or, or any of that kind of high drama stuff that you really need personal investment for. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not bad. It's just kind of bland. Yeah. So yeah, when, when Katma gets, when Katma throws John into the flame, like Katma is kind of set up at this, oh no, she, they, he got to her. Right. Uh, Katma has like the dead eyes or whatever and throws Jon Stewart into the flame, but it's revealed that she was in on it. He got matter transported away and she is the leader of the resistance. Yes. One thing I got to say is uh, as he's being brought into uh, this transportation unit that uh, is in, at the resistance base, mm-hmm. we get these two aliens who are trying to bring him, and for some reason, the computer's not wanting to to finish the job. Oh, God. So one of the aliens, Fucking... he, he... I don't know if you've ever worked in IT, but he just bangs on the computer, and it works. So it's good to know that alien technology is the same as ours. Oh, it's just... It's so... I mean, like, part of it is, like, absurdist, and that's <laughs> yeah. very ridiculous. It's funny that that level of technology just needs... You just need to bang on it, and it'll fix it. Right. But I'm pretty tired of the Fonzarelli cliche, to be totally <laughs> honest. <laughs> right. I do like these Cheech and Chong aliens, though. I know, man. <laughs> they're they're kind of doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a good uh, comparison. They, they even have names. Like, one of them is just kind of like the like older one that's like a little bit less hot-headed, but he's also a little bit of a space case. Like, they have a good dynamic. Mm-hmm. 
I was kind of into that. They do. I, I did not like the fact that they made him almost like Native American. They did. No, they it it's a it's a weird read. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they... I guess like. Yeah, I, I don't hate it because that's as far as it goes as an accent. Like, it doesn't have any of that, like, wise mysticism stuff right, to it. Right, There isn't anything, like... I mean, like, the the most we get is, like, he is interested in the ancient history of his planet. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe is, that is the connection. Yeah, yeah, I kind of get that impression. And, okay, so maybe I'm still just, like, reeling from the uncomfortableness of the old lady in uh, GL's apartment building. But I don't know, for some reason... Uh, the, the the way they designed that character made me the slightest bit uncomfortable. And anytime that happens, I'm like, this can't be good. Yeah, if I had my guard up, I probably would have noticed it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm not willing to give a a stipulation one way or another. That's fair. But uh, you know, this 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 show's track record for race stuff is not spotless. <laughs> so I'll I'll give you it. You know, right? Like, it probably could have been better as well. <laughs> But, uh, you know, he's not treated poorly, so... like No, it's not, he's not. It's not that bad. Um, but we have Katma here. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> this part was the thing that drew my attention, was the Slave Leia outfit yeah. and the, the shimmy on this. What was going on in the animator's department that week? Like, the guy was just on... The lead animator was just, like, made to sleep on the couch all week. Or something. Because, like, this is the most sexual being on the face of the earth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sexier than the Leia bikini, I would say. I mean, it's it's way more revealing. Yeah, it's so suggestive. And, like, I get you can manifest your Green Lantern costume anytime you want. But what? It's just, okay. So, I think they way overdid it. I do see a little bit of intention for it because the main thing that she is different from Hawkgirl with is very important to GL's story here. Yeah, okay. And the big difference is that she is more subtle and Hawkgirl is more straightforward. Mm. So it makes sense that she would kind of put on a show and maybe be a little flirtatious, even if, you know, that's not what she's after. Hawkgirl would never be able to do that. It's true. So... I get the intention, but it's just, it's way too much. <laughs> like, it's its almost into the pandering area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of that. It's, uh, it's, it's certainly uncomfortable um, in uh, a number of different ways, but I was, you know, I made the note. I was like, is this why GL picked up that magazine? This girl here. <laughs> because, uh, oh, similar. Yeah, no, 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 you got, you, dude, it's, it, it's humanoid, it's curvy in places that I don't mind, and we got a non-natural to earth-skinned tone right. going on, like, right. this is his type, baby. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm kind of, uh, I'm, you know, I, I was against it at the beginning of this series, I'm coming around to it. <laughs> you've, you've grown a lot. So, uh, we, we also kind of get the whole, oh, these guys were... In it, it, we, these guys knew each other in the biblical sense, kind of subtext. Oh yeah, you know, because because she says, "Do you still snore?" and he says, "I wouldn't know." So like, <laughs> everything except for saying it right on the page. These guys were in a sexual relationship. Yep, we we saved um, all this for the end of uh, the crotch tower segment here. <laughs> we well, oh, there will be more to talk. It was about. heavy. It is heavy. It's it's explicit. They share a deep romantic kiss. Mm-hmm. 
I don't love the delivery, but I do like the the content here. Yeah. Like, I, I like that we're seeing that John is, like, Core versus Justice League, Katma versus Hawkgirl is, is sort of the main things that he's struggling with. And this is kind of bringing us into, oh, he still likes this part of his life as a Green Lantern Corps member. Maybe he ditches the Justice League at the end of it. I think that's what they're trying to uh, get to with this. With the him ducking out at the first sign of Katma's in danger, and now we have this kiss. There's so there's there's a romantic attachment, there's a professional attachment, Mm -hmm. the duty calls. Right. I, I like that they are being this explicit with the nature of their relationship. Indeed. Yeah. Um all in all, I mean, it's a it's a pretty uh, mixed bag kind of episode. I think it is. I'm usually more comfortable saying whether or not it was a good episode. Same. And like, there were bad parts, but there were also good parts. And I, yeah, I, I re- like it's it's hard not to just call this one a straight B minus. That's fair. Like yeah. I, I I don't know how to grade this one. This is. It's so middle of the road in terms of it had some stuff I liked, but there was a, there would be a lot I could change if I could. Yeah. Yeah. But the parts that, uh, you know, probably we should change, I wouldn't want to. So it's 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 tough. <laughs> the, the parts I was like, yeah, that the plot critical, the non critical plot elements of Flash and Kilowog hanging out in GL's apartment in Detroit. Yeah. I wouldn't give that away for anything. Nope. And you can't take it away from me, damn it. Uh, oh, we, we do have one more scene, which is where we get the Sig Heil. Oh, thing. that's right. I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, no. It's a, I, I, I skipped it too. <laughs> Probably because I didn't want to mention it. <laughs> right. Uh, but at the end, Despero lights up and he gives all of his thralls basically Green Lantern powers. They can fly. They can shoot laser blasts. The whole schlemiel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before he sends them into space as like terraforming drones of some sort, he, they all give him the Sieg Heil. Yeah, it's weird. It's 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 unmistakably the Sieg Heil. There's nothing else that this could be. Right. It's all the right hand. It's at the exact correct angle for it. Like, what the what the fuck are they doing here? I don't know. I I feel like even in the Vandal Savage arc, the Sieg Heil wasn't this explicit you know like this bothers me more than the actual nazis right? from the previous art because like the, you can kind of dismiss it oh they're just nazis nazis are bad but now you're making me think of oh in what way are these guys nazis right is it that that's what i was talking about with the i'm seeing some similarities or yeah. that sounds that sounds derivative like I, I thought that that was building towards and it's called hearts and minds i at least thought the derivativeness would be for the vietnam war right yeah <laughs> but but now we have nazis it's it's whatever they were going for with the sig heil salute does not read very well right yeah i agree um and yes so he he then sends all of these glowing white seed looking things off to different planets to populate who boy um and uh, that'll be picked up next time. Uh, so. <laughs> that, that's a weird place to end it. It's yeah. a weird to be continued moment. Imagine, imagine the version of this that got cut right when we, we had a little bit more of Despero backstory, and maybe we fleshed out the Katma thing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
and we cut it with John getting thrown into the flame of Pytar. Yep. We never see the, you know, the the underground aliens till next episode, and they cut this him sending his drones out thing at the end. That can be explained through dialogue. Mm. I think that, that that was shoved into the end of the episode just to swell to a to-be-continued. Right. Would that be better? Yeah, that that would be more impactful um, because that to be continued would be more. I mean, like obviously with a close up on Kotma's dead little eyes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like we're adults, Ben. We we know how this is going to go. We know John Stewart's going to be fine, but like it's still a, a good, you know, like oh, how the hell is he going to get out of this? Whereas whenever we got to the actual to be continued moment, I was like, oh, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's fine. The there's stakes no are stakes pretty low. Now. I mean, I guess there's like stakes in the form of like these, you know, these these drone things that he's sending out. Yeah, but, like if, if you live on one of those, it's planets. not personal stakes, right? Yeah, this fucking weird mixed episode, right? Mm-hmm. I I wasn't sure how you it. I'm glad to hear that you were also kind of mixed about it because when I saw that it was space GL and then kind of this. Sig Heil nonsense at the end. I thought that this was just going to be a straight thumbs down for you. No, I, it's it's not. Um, and uh, it's it's mostly because of the the character details. I don't really care much about what's happening in real time, but like the little elements that they give us in, in the relationship between GL and Hawkgirl and and yeah. and uh, and GL's backstory and this that and the other. Like those are nice. Flash is not yeah. unbearable. It's it's got really good moments. Flash is good here. Yeah. He's he's doing what he does. He's firmly in the B plot <laughs> and he's got Kilowog to play with. Right. It's it's And he like fun. it takes two minutes tops yep. to get through it all. Like it's it's not oppressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I like the idea of ending it uh at the disintegration scene as opposed to the uh whatever the hell they went with scene. Yeah. Um, but okay, so like enough enough bad talk for now. What is yes. your episode highlight? It's got to be GL's place. <laughs> there's there's nothing else than that nice wide shot of GL's place, and we can see exactly the type of person he is, and it fits so perfectly with what we expect him to be. Yep. Yep. Very good. Uh, that very very. I, good. I had I had two moments. That was one of them. The other okay. one was. Uh, just all the cool ring stuff that we get to see this episode. Just like there's a lot cool of neat tricks, like you mentioned earlier, where he he uses the ring to punch two guys off of him as he's holding them. Um, yeah, and just really cool, like borderline WWE nonsense going on with these rings. the The space fight in the beginning had like pretty generically simple ring applications mm-hmm. we do see that katma is better at handling her ring than most of the lantern core members which two of them by the way seem to be dead and there are ones we've seen before i think they're just straight dead right i'm pretty sure yeah there was that there was that ball man and then that one dude who looked like a werewolf <laughs> yeah yeah and um i i guess we should throw up a uh, in memoriam for them because i don't see how they got out of that alive unless the resistance somehow beamed them at that exact moment, which would be a good, like, explain it away kind of moment, but I doubt it. They don't do it in the second episode, nope. so... I assume they're dead. Yeah, I assume they're dead, too, and they're known faces with actual names, so it was just, like, it's a weird... 
it's a weirdly impactful opening sequence for them, given that it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I know. They're never mentioned again. Like, G- uh, Kilowog doesn't even... Well, he does mention that they died, right? But GL doesn't give a yeah. shit. He's out to save the girl. <laughs> I think GL spare, spares a tear or two. Uh, maybe. He watches. He rewatches old Yeller to get the glands going. <laughs> He's going to be really sad when he goes home and finds out that Kilowog ate the VHS. <laughs> that was his childhood. <laughs> right. You ate my childhood. That was the one that kept him in the force. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I guess that's uh, this episode. Ben, where can people so. find you until Hearts and Mind Part Two? You'll you can find me banging on a matter transporter as an intern at the uh, Subterranean Rebellion on whatever the fuck planet that was called. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, I do my podcast called the Carton Cast. It's an old cartoon review podcast I do with my brother. Check it out at fancybat.com/slash/cartoncast. Gary, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> it's it's going good, man. Uh, I can usually be found munching on some VHS tapes. Uh, it's, I'm all about nostalgia, baby. Uh, I, I can be found at the Wax Nostalgic Network, uh, not eating VHS tapes or DVDs. And uh, links for everything are in the show notes. A version of you that was way more of a weedsman, I would believe, could like get kind of a contact nostalgia out of like smelling old VHS tapes. <laughs> Just like the smell of that, uh, of, of like that burnt. Oh, yeah. That semi-burnt VHS, like, cord strip, like the magnetic strip that just has been played too many times recently, and it heated a little bit, and it gets, like, that little burn smell. Yep. Uh, Someday I hope that's me. I want to be the best version of myself. And right now I'm not. (laughs) So you know where to send those donations to, kids. Ben, this has been weird. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll we'll see if we can make more sense of this next time around. It's possible. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. <laughs>